Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 2nd of February 2011. Newcomers, I always advise you to look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Bookmark those sites you'll see listed on the front page. These are the official sites. And if you've experienced uh, sticky downloads on the audios, try these alternate sites that are listed there. Remember, they all carry transcripts in English of a lot of the talks I've given over the years. And if you want transcripts for Prince Up and other languages, go into Alan Watt Sentient, sentinel.eu, and you'll see that listed on the com site as well. And remember, too, that I don't bring on advertisers as guests, so it's up to you to support me and hopefully uh, donate or buy the books and so on that I have for sale at cuttingthroughthemedics.com. Uh, you'll find there's a donation button there. If you want to order through PayPal, remember, any, anywhere in the world, use the PayPal donation, send the appropriate amount, and follow it by an email with a name, address, and order, and I'll get it out to you. From the U.S. to Canada, you can use a personal check to Canada. You can also use an international postal money order from your post office to Canada. And say PayPal again, and also some people to send cash. Uh, Europe, generally, they're stuck with Western Union if they're not using PayPal. Western Union, which is a direct wire transfer, is kind of um, expensive. Uh, you can use MoneyGram, too, for the same thing, although MoneyGram will give you the option of, of purchasing a check from them, which you post. It's a lot cheaper. And some people, again, send cash. And, again, PayPal, just send a donation with a, uh, an email to follow up with your name, address, and order, and I'll get it out to you. On this show, I try and tie the big picture together, which is really complicated, believe you me, because there are so many organizations to make it complicated and to appear complicated. It's really like a jigsaw puzzle. If you get all the pieces all scattered loosely in a box, it seems that nothing's really connected to anything else. It isn't until you put the thing together you see how it all fits together. And that is a technique that's been used on the world, a form of confusion, obviously, to make you think the world, all the different organizations you hear daily in the newspapers across the planet are all separate, independent entities, and nothing is really further from the truth. It's a, a massive pyramidal structure we're under, where a capstone, you might say, organizes thousands of other organizations to bring about a planned world vision. And they say that in their own writings, too, the big uh, companies and the big foundations. They want people of vision, and they know what their vision is. And their vision, unfortunately, is a a form of utopia, which is pretty much like North Korea, where you'd be hard-pressed to get any food. But the people are awfully well-behaved, believe you me, because they're so well-conditioned and brainwashed. And uh, that really is the kind of system they want to bring in under the guise of austerity and the con games of carbon taxing and taxing every breath you take. That's an old, old vision. As I say, you'll find the writings in Marx, you'll find it in all the associations that Marx belonged to. The Young Hegelian Society, for instance, was one of them they belonged to. 
And um, they decided at the time, groups of them living in, in primarily Ger- Germany and, and Austria and Prussia, that uh, they would alter society by destroying everything that existed in society and rebuild it once that was done. That meant first attack on all the dominant um, cultures, the, the dominant uh, religions had to be destroyed, the, and even the politics themselves had to be destroyed to bring in a new system altogether. And ultimately, what you're going through right now is really the last part. Uh, the end of the cultural wars uh, has been very successful, and you're going through the war on the individual till you're not sure what you are anymore. That's where you are today. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, talking about reality and what on earth reality is, because you have to spend a, a long time to find out, and when you do find out, you have to cross-reference everything you've learned again and again, and filter out uh, all the half-truths and, and um, snuck-in lies there, because even in the best of websites or best of books, you'll find there's always a spin put on the thing, depending on who's authorized the book to be put out there, and uh, eventually you're left with your own judgments, and that's what it boils down to. It's yourself. Nobody else. Uh, no expert opinion. Just yourself. What, what have you experienced in life? How does that compare to this book and, and the spin in the book, etc., etc.? That's what you have to go by. What have you noticed happening in your own lifetime? What were the forces that made these things happen? Who benefited? Where is it all going? How does it all fit together? And that's how the world is run today, as we see the non-governmental organizations, which the the Pentagon has called soft power. They use soft power. You'll find it in all their writings and press releases too. You'll find that in the big foundations, um, websites too, soft power. They run the NGOs that help to promote different kinds of politics or overthrows across the world. We've had it admitted to that um, the Pentagon, for instance, and the foundations from the U.S. funded the overthrow of other countries in the past. They tried to do it in Iran last year. They were responsible also for the Orange Revolution and when they sent guys over with all the orange scarves and placards and, and thousands more to hand out to the people, the students, etc. Lots of funding, and that's what they're, they're doing. But, and that's what they mean by change. Change is coming. And they say that change is good. This is a more perfected form of communism, you see, where the people are actually involved. The biggest problem with Marxism is they could never get the working class of the Western countries to be involved in revolting. They're too happy at least getting the, the few things they're allowed to, to dribble down to them from those above. And, of course, the trickle-down theory technically worked to an extent. It was still hard at the bottom, but they weren't so hard up that they would revolt and so they decided then to create special interest groups uh, to to take the place of the working class. And that's what they did. That's where they created minority groups where they were done before. Uh, I'm talking about organized minority groups. And, and that's really what started the NGOs up, sponsored and funded again by the big foundations. And we still have them today, all different kinds of spokespeople for all kinds of groups that you can possibly imagine. I sat today this morning and went through a whole list of possible ones they haven't done yet, 
And I thought if I was to write out a whole bunch of and put up a whole bunch of websites, I could probably create a few a few dozen in a day. Uh, of groups that didn't exist before by wording it properly and appealing to the person themselves, personality types and so on. And I guarantee you, before the week's out, I'd have thousands of people all joining these different groups because people being social creatures and really going through the big changes in society where all the meanings for living itself have been stripped away from you, and this was predicted too by the big writers Will Durant and others. That was their job in giving you versions of history where they tried to really defame all religions, basically. Things that gave people meaning in their lives would have to be stripped away. And they did a darn good job of it. So you're left in this sort of meaningless um, existential system now and you're not sure where where you're going, what's the point of everything. And, well, I guarantee you, who takes its place? You've got to get other new religions, earth worship, uh, environmentalism, that's just one of them. Um, the whole movement towards CO2 reduction, that's a, it's a religion. They're using religion, religious terminology and religious fervor to create these movements. So you can do it with any kind of movement that you, you, you plan to, to bring up there. If, if you can get the funding for them, it's no problem at all. And the funding is a key to all. The parallel government, remember, is run by the foundations and the non-governmental organizations, as I say, soft power to put pressure or, or student revolts in different countries. I just noticed today, uh, and I, I'll try and find the site again and put the links up, but I noticed that uh, the Polish prime minister and the heads of the, the EU parliament, this big new Soviet they have over there, the, the perfected Soviet um, that runs all of Europe now, have uh, said that the, the man in charge of uh, Belarus has to go. And uh, he hasn't been playing ball with them, apparently. And uh, they're going to use NGOs to help do it. So the EU and Poland and other countries are matching uh, euro for euro or dollar for dollar um, each other to heavily fund these NGOs to, to cause the problems from within, to force the overthrow uh, under, the, under the guise that change is good. And that's a buzz term they're using, by the way. Uh, change is good. That is a buzz term they are using. We, we have seen that with uh, this sudden, it appears to be sudden overthrow that they're trying to do in Egypt. And we said up here at Obama using change is good. Again, they have these buzzwords in the Socialist International. And, um, and here's an article here. If you think it's spontaneous in Saudi Arabia, this is from July the 15th, 2010 about Egypt. So it's not spontaneous after all, and it says here, it's from The Economist, for good or ill, change is coming to Egypt and Saudi Arabia soon. And here you are thinking it's all spontaneous, eh? And it says here, the fated Arab world's two most important states lie in the hands of aging autocrats, Hosni Mubarak, the two-year-old Air Force general who's ruled Egypt since 1981, and then they go into the and King Abdullah of Saudi Arabia, who assumed the throne of the Arabs' richest country five years ago. So the, the whole spin on the story is these guys are, are basically dictators. Uh, but they've been awfully friendly dictators to the West, and, they, and uh, they've helped out, and they've, they've helped Egypt and all the rest of it, to be friends, and, and, and they've helped Israel too, and that's the main thing they've got to do. And um, they're aging, so uh, the problem is now, will they put in more than their sons, or who will be just as friendly, or will they be able to hold on to power? Because there's also 
the Muslim Brotherhood, as they're calling it too. And, of course, the spin now is that they're trying to see this Muslim Brotherhood is also part of Al-Qaeda, you know, that made-up thing that the CIA run. So this is a spin, but this is a say is from July 15, 2010, that basically change is coming. The exact same term they used a couple of days ago or a few days ago when the students started to riot in Egypt. And I guarantee the funding is coming in there from the big foundations and the governments to fund these NGO groups as they've done elsewhere and as they're going to do now in Belarus. So it's the same technique that's been used all over the place. Uh, all the media obviously knows it, but they're playing the game to keep you in the dark as to what's really happening. But this article goes on to say the fate of these two countries matters to the West for two big reasons. Energy and security, Egypt and Saudi Arabia have been reliable if flawed allies. Should they stumble, the West's interest in the region will be imperiled. That's why those regimes need to be encouraged to liberalize their economies our country's economies and political systems further and turn them into places where change brings hope, not fear. Well, I wonder if they'll bring the same kind of change that they brought into Iraq eventually with their wonderful utopias and smash all the infrastructure and make it safe for certain other places. But that's really what it's all about. Uh, Nothing happens spontaneously. I've kept saying that for years. World wars were designed long before um, Hitler got to power. And uh, the the Royal of International Affairs was really squaring off for a war coming up to finish World War I, basically. Much the same as as, as a Gulf War was was, was the Gulf War I, and the second evasion was Gulf War II, finishing it off, finishing the job. And that's how the thing is really run. So you have these kind of socialist international types that normally were called the left wing, uh, agitating across the world to bring in the same system. And what amazed me, too, is when I looked at Poland and European NGOs, you would not believe the kind of money that's being dished out to those guys to run the same communitarian projects across the whole of Europe as they're doing in Britain. Now, these are basically going concerns, these NGOs, because once once they, they, they get the massive grants and the millions, sometimes per NGO, given to them per annum, uh, they can set their own wages and pension plans, etc. And they'll be your new strutting uh, commissars for your local community, community area. That's the new system that's to be brought in across the whole world eventually. And under the guise of environmentalism and pollution and uh, carbon and all the rest of it, you'll be, as I say, you'll be eventually much the same state uh, as, as they're living in now in North Korea. I watched uh, a North Korea, uh, an article, on, or it's actually a documentary on North Korea recently, and a, a man managed to get in. It's very hard to get in there. And you're, you're escorted everywhere by the guide, who's also like your prison attendant, uh, who makes sure you're at the right places and don't say anything or see anything you shouldn't see. And it was astonishing. They got in a hotel, and there's no one else at the table uh, except the one guy that, the, who got into China to, uh, to film it, uh, or, or into Korea. And uh, he stopped off too, and there's no, 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 nobody else there, only him eating. And he said the food was terrible, they've had f- terrible food shortages. And then he stopped off at a, a roadside cafe along the way, in between miles of nothingness. And uh, he said, I don't think this waitress has seen a person for six months, because people can't afford gasoline or cars or anything to travel. 
so and, and you didn't pass any cars on the road. So that's a wonderful utopia. But as I say, they're so well behaved and they all, in a very Orwellian fashion, always talk about their great leader and it's almost like a god to them, just like Stalin was. If you ever see the old funerals of Stalin and see how the people came out and wept by the thousands and thousands for the great leader. It's a sad thing that people want to worship people as gods. It really is sad to me. And as long as that is the way, we don't have a chance in hell. A snowflake's chance in hell won't happen. Because uh, people, most folk really do uh, want a human god to strut around and be big daddy and do all and say all the right things to make them happy and feel secure and fix all the problems for them. That's what they want. You know, sad that. Because that, that's the end of, uh, that's the end of it all if you really believe that. I'll be back with more of this after this break. Hi folks, we're back and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Just to finish up with, with North Korea, uh, you won't find obese people there, so I'm sure that the United Nations is just overwhelmed and with the wonder of it all because they're on food rationing, it would seem. And that's what they want to bring across the world to. Because you see, this is a perpetual war. Under the old, old system, it's been on the go under many names for centuries, actually, as it went through its Marxist terms and names and so on in different organizations. It's the same agenda, same same uh, people running the whole show, uh, knowing exactly where they're heading with it. They want this wonderful utopia, but they need perpetual war and conflict to bring it around. And that's what you're going through today. And they might keep this conflict going even after they unify the world with, with terrorism from within, just like they did within the Soviet Union. Once they secured their borders, they have to find terror within to keep the military up and chop and keep everybody scared and subservient to the government. That's how they do it. The abused always turn to the abuser to, for, for safety. Isn't that amazing, eh? Always works so. Now, the EU is doing a deal now with Israel on data transfers of all people. Uh, it's, it's actually more than just travelers. It's also personal detail, financial de- details. And, and basically, they're sharing all their computers with all data, all the countries together. Uh, it doesn't say that all in this article, but I've read other ones where it does. This is the BBC, which is, of course, the, the British government's arm uh, for pro- propaganda, really. It says, um, Irish objections have delayed an EU deal to allow the transfer to Israel of personal data on EU citizens. The Republic of Ireland linked its move to its concerns about the use of forged Irish passports. And that's a change, because generally they use Canadian ones in the killing of a top Hamas militant in Dubai in January, allegedly by Israeli agents. A European Commission official told the BBC that objections to the proposed data deal had only come from Ireland. No one else objected. No one bothered does anymore when they use different passports to go off and kill someone. Dublin says Israel must now tighten up its data protection laws. The deal under consideration is known as data, data adequacy, it's called agreement intended to facilitate commerce between the EU and Israel. And uh, it says the EU's Justice Commissioner spokesman Matthew Newman, another Newman, eh, said the Commission would seek further clarification on the points raised by Ireland, and he insisted that the proposal was not blocked. 
The Commission has not yet decided on the next step. He said, adding that the new approach to Israel might not be necessary as we might already have this information at our disposal. So they're already sharing it, means. But it's amazing now how we're all getting into this data sharing stuff because we're global, you see. We're, we're, we're just, we're not citizens of the world. We're actually subjects of the world, you see. Big, big difference. Only a few folk get to be citizens of the world. And it's quite stunning that Rockefeller Foundation hands out citizenship awards, citizens of the world awards to all the top people, including all your anchormen and television people that you're used to seeing. They're all internationals and always have been. It says here that the EU has already, already has data adequacy agreements with several countries outside the EU, including Argentina, Canada, Switzerland and the US. So... So as I say, Ireland's put a, a, a little spoke in the wheel there to find out if they'll stop using Irish passports and go and use someone else's passports to go and assassinate people uh, when they, they take off. Now, <laughs> I laugh at this too because it's, um, it says um, here that the Obama administration threatens to climate, uh, threatens a climate veto. Like climate's a big thing. It's an essential part, as I say, this carbon taxation, one way or another, to give power to bring, and the money that will rake in, of course, to bring in the massive superstructure of world bureaucracy that's necessary for a world governance, as they call it. And it's essential to bring all this in. It's essential to, to, to use it to keep us all pretty poor and to, to manage us through God knows so many laws that will be about pollution and heating and coming back, just like China is doing, letting cities freeze to death because uh, they've cut down electricity. And that's, of course, they're the model state for the world. It says what has been said from the White House is that the President's advisors would advise him to veto any legislation that passed that would take away the EPA's Greenhouse Gas Authority, Jackson told reporters in Capitol Hill. Nothing's changed. The Environment Protection Agency's climate policies came under attack this week when Senators John Barroso and John Rockefeller, backed by a host of co-sponsors, rolled out bills Monday to hamstring the EPA's authority to regulate greenhouse gas emissions. Probably Rockefeller's doing it because he wants even tougher ones, that's what it'll be. A separate bill will come Wednesday afternoon from House Energy and Commerce Committee Chairman Fred Upton and the Senate's top climate skeptic, Republican Jim Inhofe of Oklahoma. Barroso and Inhoff used a Senate hearing on drinking water today to blast the EPA's greenhouse gas regulations. It says the EPA has continued to move forward with job-crushing greenhouse gas regulations for greenhouse gases, and they have, of course. You're losing your jobs and everything over it. Barroso said, adding that this bill establishes that Congress shall set the nation's energy and climate policy and eliminate these job-crushing regulations. But despite the increasingly vocal calls from the GOP and some Democrats to scale back the EPA's authority to clamp down on heat-trapping emissions, Jackson pledged to defend her agency's rules. So it's like internal squabbles. At least It's going to build her up, of course, as a real champion for the environment and, and all the followers and all the, the greenies out there that, that are already brainwashed. These efforts would halt the EPA's common-sense steps under the Clean Air Act to protect Americans from harmful air pollution that until now has not been regulated at all from any sources in the country, Jackson told reporters today after an appearance before the Senate Environment and Public Works Committee. I anticipate that we're going to have a discussion with American people over the next weeks and months that makes it clear that there are alternatives to draconian measures such that uh, I hope it never comes to, she added. So... As I say, it's a show for the public. All media is a show for the public. I hope you understand that. Back with more after this break. 
are listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Australia, of course, is getting hammered right now with the cyclone and uh, the northeastern coastline, anyway, and uh, they've downgraded it to a Force 2 or something. However, it's done enough damage, but they do get these cyclones every every so often. And um, it's amazing, too, that people in Australia have been emailing me before this happened uh, with the, the massive trailing of chemtrails really across the skies I've had for weeks. That's the same thing that happened off Louisiana and uh, New Orleans before they had their big flood there as well. And uh, it can be done because if you go into the records of uh, the the treaties of the United Nations to do with weather warfare and uh, all the signatories that they've got on it, uh, admitting to the fact that obviously they can cause these things to occur, they can actually guide them, in fact, to where they want them to go. And they certainly do use the chemtrails to to charge the air and alter the atmosphere to really charge it with the electricity for the HARP technology, which they use alongside of it. But it certainly can be done. But it won't matter saying this to most folk if you know them, because they won't they won't want to believe you. They, they'll only believe it comes across the mainstream again from one of these constant foreign relations uh, world citizen anchormen that they've grown up with. And, uh, and uh, that's unfortunately the way it is. That's who they're taught to believe. And they'll say to you, who are you to say this? Are you an expert or something? They say, no, I use my head, I read, and I see things. I look at the sky. But that's not good enough, I'm afraid. You need experts today to convince them of anything, even if it's utterly bogus. And that's how they, they do it with the climate change stuff, too. Most folk have no memory, you understand. And they can't really remember weather when they were young. And they certainly, coming out their climate-controlled homes to their climate-controlled work, don't really notice the weather year after year at all. So it's an easy target to, to take and, and, and tell them it's all changed. And they'll believe you if an expert keeps telling you that. I can remember when they brought the weather channel in, I thought, what nutcase would want to watch the weather 24 hours a day? What kind of hyper-neurotic, phobic person is, is so, so determined to know what the weather is 24 hours a day? And sure enough, within a, a few months, you didn't get rain anymore. You, everything was a storm. And then it changed, of course, most of the countries into the metric system. So you didn't get inches anymore. You got millimeters. And, you know, a, a hundred millimeters sounds quite a lot, but it's a little, it's, it's little drizzle. Same thing with snow. You didn't get snow anymore coming down. You had, you had blizzards, whiteouts, and all the rest of it. And uh, it really creates a different perception altogether. And that's the, what it's all about. It's perception uh, that rules your mind on behalf of the, ma- of the masters who want to rule your mind. It does an awfully good job. And you will not believe yourself. You won't re- believe your own memory of the weather in the past. You will simply succumb to them and bow and, and take their points of view. After all, they are paid for this, and they must be very intelligent people. And it occurs to most folk, there's a political agenda, a socio-political agenda behind all of the stuff that you're taught and brainwashed with, and all these experts that live on grants from the same organizations, foundations, and so on. It's a political agenda. Some of the characters involved have already said that. 
like McClelland, when she was in the Parliament of Canada, in the federal parliament, she said the same thing. It doesn't matter if, if the climate science is all bogus and wrong, she says. We'll bring equality across the world with it. It was to get big, big cash coming in to create up the superstructures, I say. The same thing they did with the EU. There was supposed to be a trading agreement, not a parliament to rule them all as a new Soviet, a new Kremlin. And that's what it's turned out to be. But they set up the, the massive superstructure of massive bureaucracy and organizations to form their parliament, to, to get them all working on it uh, before they even set up the structure of the parliament itself. And that's what they're doing now across the world with all these carbon taxes and so on that they hope to uh, scrape in from all of you who are scraped near to death, some of you. And a big part of this organization that runs the world, always has done, is to run it on a, what they call a, on reason, reason and practicality. It's utilitarian in a sense. That's why they have to knock religion and, and all kinds of dominant forces out. Things that give people, as I say, some kind of meaning, whether they were false or not, didn't matter, because you see, we're human beings. And human beings are not machines. We're, we're not automatons. At least hopefully we're not. Some, some might be, I wonder, at some people I see. However, the fact is we're, we're not. We need, uh, a different kind of thing. We need imagination at times. It's an imagination that leads to inventions and so on. And we do daydream once in a while, which is good for us as well. That's your mind relaxing, going off in different areas that it has to explore. So we're not based purely on reason like these guys would like to, to make you. They want to make you into creatures that are, are really, really do resemble robots. That, that's part of the whole, that was a whole Hegelian school again too, to, to make you into that kind of reason. And so anything that didn't base, didn't measure up to reason, you see, and couldn't be tested in a test tube or weighed or measured had to be false. That was the premise and therefore would have to be eradicated to bring in what they call liberation and equality, etc. That's what they mean by that. In other words, they take everything that, that, that gives you meaning in life, gets you through life, even through the hard times, they take it from underneath your feet, like a carpet, they pull it away from you, leave you nothing to fall back on, except a bunch of experts prattling rubbish in your ear, and that's what they substitute for, for meaning in life, basically. Of course, they'll tell you what your new meaning is, much like North Korea, is to serve the great leader and, and the state. That is coming. Well, after that little rant, I'll go to this next story. Part of it, too, was to, to do away with all those useless eaters, as he keeps referring to them. Bertrand Russell put that in his book, one of his books. In fact, the useless eaters would have to go. And that's anyone who's not producing in a society. And you don't want just consumers. They want people to produce and consume. And that is the definition given out by the United Nations of the perfect world citizen, a consumer and producer. Once you retire, of course, you have no more function. In fact, if you're old, you have no function at all. They don't want old people around, to be honest with you, unless they're, they're very special people who help run this system. And uh, they've destroyed, you see, the family, the extended family, the grandmothers, grandfathers, all that stuff. People who used to pass on information and help the family out, the government set up agencies to take all of that over for you. Now you just put older folk in hospitals and you think they're stupid or senile, even when they're not. And it's in all the movies you've had your whole life long. Anyone who is elderly is, is, is dotery, as they say. They're, they're living in dotland, and they, they can't remember anything, and they have no wisdom to pass on. They're just silly people, irrelevant, really. 
That was all discussed in the 1800s again at some of these organizations I've been talking about. So, to get rid of the useless eaters, you have to get the public to accept that you euthanize them. And there are big advocates for this. They don't want, they'll always start off with the terminally ill, and then they'll work their way from there. And, and, and actually in some countries they already see you're just fed up with living, and okay, that's good enough, and they'll kill you like Holland. Years and years and years ago I said they'll start with the very young, which is abortion, and they did. Once we accepted that, then life became uh, dehumanized in extent. We weren't so important, we were off the pedestal. And the next step was to go for the other age group, the, the other end of the scale, and that's the elderly. Here's what they're doing now in Scotland, because Scotland is incredibly socialist, a very high Masonic organized, uh, country, that is, and that's why it's so socialist. And, of course, Masonic is a front for something else, as uh, I think a lot of you already know. It says, death row drug fed to dying Scottish pensioners. And this is from the Daily Record, and it says... Um, a drug given to the U.S. death row prisoners is now being used on dying old folk in Scotland's hospitals. Medics use the sedative midozolam as part of a highly controversial pathway to death care plan for people judged by doctors to be in the last hours of their lives. Now, the pathway to death was set up in England, initially Liverpool Care Pathway, they called it. And again, it was pushed forward by commies who have a different thing in mind. See, they'll get you arguing about, well, you know, I don't want you to die like that. Yeah, I'd rather just die quick. And, and all. You fall into the traps they set for you on every topic. You do. You really, honestly, everybody out there does. And they don't realize, no, they just want this on the books, you see, and the right to do it, and then they extend it and extend it and extend it. That's what they've done with everything else that's been put on the books and law. So don't fall into the emotional tangles they'll give you to argue over. It says, but uh, patients' leaders warned yesterday that the widespread use of Liverpool Care Pathway in Scotland's National Health Service, and the National Health Service is coming courtesy of Babama because change is good as you snuff out your old folk, is robbing pensioners of the chance of life. They claim that for some old folk, being put on the LCP is effectively a death sentence. And researchers found that many doctors decided to put patients on the pathway without the consent of their loved ones. This is um, the chairwoman for the Scottish Patients Association told the record the LCP can be used to bring patients' lives to a premature end. We have patients in our records who shouldn't, should be dead but are not. Their families had to fight to get them appropriate treatment. See, they're killing everybody now, you see. Well, you see, you know, you don't really need that pension. The government needs that pension to hand out to non-governmental organizations who run your communities for you. I mean, here you are. You're not producing anything. You're just eating, you see. Why don't you just die? So it says, if the relatives had not had power of attorney, it would have been bye-bye to the patients. And we're convinced this is the only the tip of the iceberg. How many patients' lives have been taken that should have been here today? We're concerned. Oh, by the way, if, if under National Health Service like Canada too and Britain and elsewhere, if you have property and you don't have the, the living will up to date, they grab your property as well. And that's supposedly to help augment the cost of keeping you in as they, as they kill you in the hospital. hope you know that too, folks. It's socialism to the extreme. Doctors are meant to save lives, not take them. If they do, that's murder. Well, it used to be, for sure. And the leader of that is a, is, is a name seeking mine, but no relative. Watt's fears were echoed by angry daughter Patricia McGilvery, who believes that she and her family saved her dad, John's life, in 2009 by insisting that he be taken off my, my dazzle lamb. My dazzle lamb. I'll dazzle you, all right. 
Patricia, 44, said she was told by staff at Perth Royal Infirmary that John, now 80, was at death's door after a suspected stroke. But she claims her dad started to improve after he accidentally knocked a line out of his arm that was pumping the drugs into his body. They were killing him. They were killing him in the hospital. And accidentally, he got the, the drip knocked out of his arm, and he recovered. She says he recovered and went home after the family ordered doctors to stop giving the sedatives. John is still alive and well nearly two years later, and while well, he's still collecting his pension, I told you they need that for the government, you see, for the NGOs and stuff, for goodness sake. Aren't you patriotic? And Patricia says what's happened in our hospitals is euthanasia by the back door and society needs to wake up to it. That's what it is. This is where it's going to go in America too and elsewhere. This is a world agenda, folks. And unfortunately, you see, because you don't have anything to, to, to relate to that gave you a reason for, for things, explain things in some way, in a human way to you, outside of science, you see. Science is not the new God. They've tried to replace it as a new God, but it's not. If you're nothing which gives you meaning to life and something to fight for, you've had it. It's been a great war, this long, long war, isn't it? Very successful, thanks to the Frankfurt School and many others. People must ask questions when their loved one is in hospital. They must ask, what are you giving them? Is there any alternative? This issue affects every single household in the land. For everyone they snuff out, you see, that you can't collect your pension. That's it. The government's snuff out the whole lot then because you won't need it. Anyway, she says, my dad is lovely and enjoys life with his family. It terrifies him to think what happened to him. Well, the next time he's ill, don't take him to hospital. That's what you have to do. Says he was horrified when we told him about it and insists he's never going back to the hospital. So that's what it takes to give people another perspective on reality is you went in the hospital before and they tried to kill you. A member of the Scottish Parliament, Margot MacDonald, who's fought for the rights of terminally ill patients, is also deeply concerned about the use of LCP. She said people haven't got a clue about it. Well, they don't bother to tell you in authoritarian societies and socialist authoritarian societies. There's a suspicion among a lot of elderly people in particular that they lose control over their own well-being if they go into care. Well, that's true. If you go into care, in, into a hospital here in Canada, you're automatically, well, in Ontario, they're automatically down as a donor. I hope you understand that. And so you're wondering, is, is this guy or this surgeon going to help you and fix you, or is he going to, or is he eyeing up all the bucks they're going to make off the organs they're going to sell? You better start looking at things in a different fashion, folks. Because you've had so much propaganda through movies and fiction about what things are supposed to be from law enforcement, all the detective stories and hospitals and wonderful doctors. You don't even know what reality is anymore. Anyway, it says here, the LCP was designed by the Marie Curie Cancer Care to help hospice staff make the deaths of patients as comfortable as possible. It got its name because it was developed at a hospital or a hospice in Liverpool. The LCP can involve a decision to stop giving the patients food and fluids to starve you to death. And many patients are continuously sedated with drugs, including midazolam, until they die. So say they use that for snuffing out prisoners in some U.S. prisons. It also goes by the brand names of Versed, 
Dormicum. You better learn these names very shortly because you might go into hospital yourself. Versed Dormicum and Hype Novel. It's very, very novel indeed. Is given to U.S. death row inmates half an hour before execution in a bit to calm them down. And vets also use it to knock out animals. Of course, you overdose them, you kill them. So, <laughs> it says, crisis ministers told all Scotland's health boards in 2008. No, what's a crisis minister? What new post is this crisis minister? They keep putting these things up all the time, these new things. A crisis minister told all Scotland's health boards in 2008 that the use of LCP was good practice. Okay, well, I guess they must be an expert. Say so it's good to kill the folk. So that's okay then, isn't it? Oh, I'll tell you. I saw that coming when I was growing up in Britain. I, I saw all that stuff coming. It was the most socialist country of all. And you would not believe the job they did on generations of young people there. Uh, generations destroyed their culture. As I say, anything that would help them get through uh, the society that, that they were de- deemed to go through, through all the cutbacks and jobs going abroad that never told them why, all the agreements they signed to deindustrialize an entire nation. And, and the youngsters growing up in utter poverty and, and these massive cities and so on with nothing to believe and nothing to, to give them any hope whatsoever except the drugs coming in that the government made sure flowed in regularly too. The, uh, very, very dangerous and heroin, all that kind of stuff was just flooding into the country and you wonder what happened. And you don't think that was all intentional. I can remember Margaret Thatcher opening all the bar hours because she said it's better having them all drunk inside the bars, all the unemployed people, the youngsters, than marching and demonstrating in the streets. Well, you, all you do is take it from the booze, you see, and put it onto the drugs. And that's why, that's why they dosed it all into the, those areas where the massive unemployment was. There's always a reason for things. They're not stupid at the top. They're not stupid. Don't ever, ever think. They're stupid at the top. Now, I'll talk about the NAFTA agreement because there's more getting done right now, apparently, and it's all been kept secret from the U.S. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, this is Cutting Through the Matrix and just before I take a caller, just to mention that uh, the Prime Minister of Canada is off to see Obama uh, and of course it's definitely, uh, what he can tell you here is, is, is superficial as why he's going down. He's not even telling their own parliament what he's up to, but it's to do again with I think further integration under the US-Canada uh, Act and uh, uh, there's no doubt about it, they're talking about closer ties basically and collaboration with the Department of Homeland Security. That means integration, folks, further integration uh, as they did with the European Union. I lived through that whole setup as the integrated Europe. They used the same terminology as they integrated everything and that's what Harper's really off to do. Now I'll take uh, Carlo from Georgia if he's on the phone. Hello Carlo, are you there? Yes, hello, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yeah. Yes, yeah, good to talk to you. Um, uh, since there's not much time left, I'm gonna um, ask one question and then I get off the phone. Um, I'm about to be finished with your book, mm-hmm. and um, I went to my local bookstore and browsed around. And um, the thing that intrigued me the most, or one of the things that popped out really, um, was the 
these codes embedded in the language. So yeah. uh, by pure accident, I uh, started a book published in uh, 1870, and uh, the title is Lectures on the Science of Language, delivered at the Royal Institution of Great Britain in February, March, April, May, 1868, by Max Müller. And, um, yeah. I just wanted to know if you heard about this book. or uh, I have, I have. Uh, there's also other books out there on cryptology as well. You, know, you find all the revolutionaries, in fact, even um, the designed machines for cryptology, including the, some of the founders of the, the founding fathers of America, uh, there's one museum, in fact, that um, some of them made themselves intricate, intricate stuff, but they were definitely into the coding of words and the, the, the terms they used, phrases. If they were caught, of course, no one would know what it meant. You would th- you'd think one thing, but amongst themselves, they would, they would, they would know another thing. And uh, even, even the structure of the letters themselves uh, they used, because each letter is an actual symbol, of course, not just of what it means, but it's a symbol, it's a building block, actually. And of course, the A always was, uh, was was a compass. For instance, you saw in the Masonic uh, language, uh, one of the Masonic um, codes they had was Brownie's code. It's a brown with an E at the end of it. There was many other codes they used down through the years uh, up to the present day, and they're taught them in the higher degrees, of course. But the Brownie's code, you can actually look that up for yourself and go through that. It's obsolete now, but uh, it, it's fascinating to see how they've used that. And of course, we find that. Some of the big players, uh, like um, uh, the, the author of Morals and Dogma, said we never speak more openly uh, about what we're about than when we are in p- public, because the public hear one thing, but amongst the members they actually hear another. There's always a double meaning in everything they say, and that's the technique that they use. But the, there's definitely coding, and they also use numbers as well. And, and the numbers thing goes back to ancient times, uh, even the Chaldeans used them, and of course, uh, that even even in, in uh, Hebrew, every letter is also a number as well. And they were used as runners went for the Roman army at one point because they could put the numbers on sticks and then carry them off to as runners to the next general, and and another one would decipher it on the other end. So this has been used for thousands of years. These techniques and still used today, of course, as we know. Yeah. Yes, and as I as I was on hold, I was just flipping through the book, and uh, on page 271, there's one sentence which sums it up pretty well, and uh, there it says, there is a background to almost every word which we are using, only shortened by ages, and requires to be lighted, lighted up. Yes, that's right, yeah. That's uh, right. Thank you very much. I'm going to get off the phone now. Um, yeah. Your book was great, fantastic, and I can't wait to talk to you again. Have a good night. Thanks for calling. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you.